Isn't God good? And all the time? You know, I hope that you are taking the 321 uh, Outreach Challenge seriously. And, uh, you, you know, as far as witnessing to people or being a witness for Christ, it's something that you just need to kind of put in the fabric of who you are and, and, and trust the Holy Spirit to help you because there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit can give you boldness. Somebody say amen. To, to, to witness. And Jesus said he will make you fishers of men. How many of you uh, like the way that guy caught fish last week with the dynamite? Remember the story? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's, that's, that's one way of catching fish, you know. So, and remember the Greek word powers, dunamis, dynamite. Well, let me just say this. Folks, we have, as far as in our arsenal, we have that word power, dunamis, dynamite. We have that uh, resident within us, and, and God wants us to use that power to catch fish as well. Can you say amen? amen. And, and uh, you know, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by His Spirit, saith the Lord God. So if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we can catch the fish just like He did. Now, last week we talked about how that, you know, people that, that, that don't even believe uh, uh, look to history and they see a lot of things that we believe in history. I mean, it's, you don't have to have the Bible, you can have the history, it's there. And we're talking about Jesus Christ. There was a man named Jesus. He did walk the shores of Galilee. Uh, there was a, a man named Jesus that Pontius Pilate, you know, had put to death, you know, and uh, history declares that. And, and history also declares that his followers claimed that he rose from the dead. So we have this not only as, in the, as the Bible stories, okay, as the you know, Bible tells us so, but we have it as history tells us so. So that's something that, that we need to understand and realize. And as you know, we've been going through the book of Acts. And we've been going through the book of Acts with this AD series. And uh, on Sunday nights on NBC, you can watch that. And boy, I tell you what, to me, it's just amazing seeing these apostles, Acts of the Apostles acted out on television. And, and you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. You begin to see that and like, wow. And, and maybe it's not exactly that way, the way they're, procl- you know, but, but it, you know, in some things, they're probably exactly that way, okay? So, but anyway, what, what, a, what, what a powerful thing it is. This morning, we're going to talk about the effects of what the Lord can do with just one man, okay? As I read the book of Acts, as I read what the, the, the apostles and did in the book of Acts, there's two things that stand out. One is prayer, one is preference. And uh, this one person that we see in the ninth chapter, we're going to go there this morning in the, in the book of Acts, this one person, he was a murderer, uh, this one person who God, you, you know, began to choose, you, you know, he, he was a, a person that, you know, was a small uh, notoriety, but in the grand scheme of things, he, he was just a, a, a nobody, okay, just, you know, a nobody, but God used him in a powerful way, and God could use us in the powerful way today as well, okay? So, you, you know, we're going to be talking today about the subject of what makes nobodies into somebodies. And I believe everybody here is a somebody because God's hand is upon your life. I believe that with all, all my heart. So as we look at this, in some ways, you know, Paul was just like some of us. You know, some education, some influence, but nothing really special until God got a hold of his life and everything began to change. How many of you remember the, the day that you gave your heart to Jesus? Let me see your hands. You know what? My life began to change. It, put, it took, on a, took on a purpose 
And there was something that changed in me when God's hand touched my life. Everything began to change. Changed with my family. Changed with everything. Uh, There was a purpose now for me living. There was a purpose for my family, okay? So turn with me to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. And we're going to meet this man that we talked about who murdered Christians and, and, and put fear in the hearts of the disciples. This man, he was truly scary, almost to the point of some thinking that, you know, that, that, that you, you know, they, they would run from him. But God drastically changed his heart. This cold-blooded killer named Saul of Tarsus, and God touched his life. How many of you remember the time that God touched your life, okay? You know, we changed, okay? God can change you. God changed me. Acts chapter 9. We're going to read a few scriptures this morning, okay? So look at it. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, or look at it in your notes. How many of you have a Bible? Let me hold it up. Would you hold your Bible up? Boy, I tell you what. I tell you what. This, is, this makes the devil nervous in the service. Come on, somebody. And they got the Bible out. Oh, they got the sword out. They're going to get ready to use a sword on me. And you know, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathways. We need that Word. So look at it. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. We're going to look at a few verses of Scripture. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, or later Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, and he asked for letters to the synagogues synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them prisoners to Jerusalem. Notice this. As he neared Damascus on his journey. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. We're all on a journey. Somebody say amen. amen. As a Christian today, we're on a journey. You know, and, and, and before you become a Christian, you were on a journey. And thank God you're, you, know, you crossed paths with the Lord and he began to change things. And this is exactly what happened here. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Notice, notice the next line here. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Notice this. Now, get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. I want you to notice this, for he is praying. How many of you know it's a good thing to pray? Somebody say amen. And when you're praying, you're going to get answers. Now, you know what the devil would like to do is somehow put fear in you, and fear paralyzes. And you know, But when you're praying, all of those things begin to change, as it did for Saul here as we look at this. Now, I want you to see this, okay? But it says, you know, and he was praying, a vision he had seen from God, a, named, a man named Ananias, come to the place, and his hand, put his hand on him, and he restored his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have seen and heard many reports about this man and the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call upon your name. 
I notice this, this last, uh, this next uh, line here. But, this next verse. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered in, placing his hands on Saul. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road to Damascus where you're coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Wow, can you imagine what experience it was like for Paul that day? Let's bow our heads. Father, I just want to say thank you this morning for what you're doing in and through our lives. And Lord, we're all on a journey just like Saul. And maybe there's one here this morning that you're just arresting, that you're calling, that you're choosing, Lord, to change pathways. And God, what a wonderful thing that was for Saul and what a wonderful thing it was for me and for each and every one that chose your way. Lord, I just pray this morning that you'd open our eyes as you open uh, Saul's eyes, that we may see the kingdom of God the way you see the kingdom of God, the way we should see the kingdom of God, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, what makes nobodies into somebodies? Now, we were all used to be nobodies, but today we're somebodies because of God's touch upon our lives. Number one, write this down, and, and, uh, and it's on the screen, I believe. Number one, here, here's the, here it is. God's preference makes all the difference in the world. When God chooses someone, it makes all the difference in the world. And now, how many of you have been, uh, been chosen to play on a basketball or volleyball game or whatever it may be? And, and maybe you're the one that's doing the choosing, you know? And if I was playing, you know, if I'm the one doing the choosing and it's volleyball or basketball... I look around to the, the tallest guy, the tallest gal. Come on, somebody, you know, and I'm picking this one, I'm picking that one. You know, it was volleyball especially. You don't want a real short person, you know, especially up on the line. You know, they're not going to handle that line, you know. So you're going to get somebody that's a little taller, you know. But, you know, the way God chooses things and people is not the way we make choices. Somebody say amen. And I want to show you some things from God's Word, and there's something special and about the preference that God has, okay? Uh, you know, so uh, look at Saul's life as an example. He was a murderer. He was murdering Christians. You know, I tell you one thing, I, I wouldn't have chosen him that day myself. And, and here he's hunting down these Jews, that, you know, and, and he thought, you know, the Jews that thought Jesus was the Messiah, and, and Saul didn't believe that. So he was murdering them, capturing them, and, and you know. And uh, so as we look at this, he came face to face with the risen Christ, and he realized that he was wrong. Not mistaken, but flat out wrong. Now, Jesus is the Messiah, and he's risen from the dead. And, and he calls you out, and, everyone, and everything that you've done. I want, you, I want you to think about that. Everything that you've done is going to come back to you, think about all those things that you've done wrong. You know what? Surely will come to your mind. And, uh, and then he blinds you for three days. And this is where Saul was, for three days. I don't know about you, but, you know, there's a, there's been a time where I was in temporarily, I couldn't see good or see well. And boy, I tell you, that, that's a frightful thing. I don't know if you've lost your sight or for any uh, length of time, but it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a frightening thing. And this is exactly what happened. So everything Saul thought he knew and believed, at least in those, those, these days or three days, was wrong. 
And he realized it. It's wrong. He had three days to think about it. He had three days that he, he couldn't see anybody else or talk to anybody else. And he just, he had to think about what he had done. He, he had blatantly sinned against God, murdered you know, Christians, and he knew that he was wrong. And Jesus talked to him along the way, and, and Saul was a mess. How many of you were a mess before you come to Jesus? Somebody say amen. I know I was. You know, he was a mess, okay? He was spiritually confused, and, and he had to think about for three days, three long days. Now, I doubt that any of us have been in his shoes so wrong on so many levels, and it's kind of hard to fathom all that Saul was in that day. Now, I don't know about you. But, you know, I, I have a testimony, uh, you know, that where God had brought me from. But my testimony doesn't compare to some others. But, but yet it's a testimony. Maybe yours is the same way. But this guy was something else, okay? Responsible for murdering in, innocent people. Now, think of it like this. Now you got, let, let's put our thinking caps on this morning. Now, think of it like this. You know, Osama bin Laden, okay, had been beheading Christians, and then he had a vision of Jesus Christ, and overnight becomes like a Billy Graham evangelizing Muslims, okay? Now, how do you wrap, wrap your uh, mind around that, okay? You, you think about that, you know, or some person, an ISIS person, that all of a sudden he was beheading Christians, and all of a sudden he turns around. This is exactly how it was, okay? So how do you treat someone like that if you're a Christian, and he comes to you for help, and, and, and do, you, do you trust this murderer, okay? So here's, this is where Ananias was at, okay? And then Ananias tells him about Jesus, and he heals him. This is a stuff that has, you know, nervous breakdowns over, okay? I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness, I, I can't hardly fathom that. And th- this is what that was. You're face-to-face with God, and you have been killing his loved one's recklessness. Now, he stops you. He gets your attention. He blinds you. So this is where he was. And now, what if it happens to you? What if God chose you to be his instrument? Kind of crazy, okay? But Saul, a total nobody... You know, because of God's hand upon his life, became a somebody. And let me tell you something. He changed the world. He changed our world as well. He changed history. He changed everything. He began to go to the Gentiles and proclaim about Jesus Christ. And many, many, many people were saved. Let me give you the verse. Acts chapter 19, verse 15. I think it's in your notes. Now, how does God select anyone insignificant like Saul, like that? Notice what he says. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. I want you to go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I want you to see something. It's not that far-fetched that God could have picked you. The Bible is filled with examples, okay, of nobodies who became somebodies for God, and it appears to be God's M.O., okay, I want you to look at this scripture. Look, take your Bibles, turn with me. I don't know if I have that one in there or not in your notes. I think maybe it's in your notes. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. I'm going to read this real slowly. I want you to see this scripture. Because you know the way God does things and the way you do things are totally opposite. You need to see that. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.27. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Now, we could stop right there and preach a whole sermon just on that, how God's choices are so much different than our choices. Sometimes, you know, we, know we, we want to choose the biggest and the best and, and whatever. You know, we want to stack the deck and make sure that we, you know, are successful, whatever. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Notice next here. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. 
In other words, it's, it's like when God chooses someone and God puts his hand upon Let me tell you something. That's the reason it says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by spirit. When God touches upon your life, everything else changes. Somebody say amen. amen. And he puts a new twist on everything. Now, let me just give you a couple examples of that. Moses and Daniel were, were big nobodies that became somebodies. David was a, was a nobody, but become, become a somebody. So let's look at the way God picks a smelly shepherd boy, okay? Uh, Jesse's runt son, uh, you know, he chose him. And in 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 3, here's what it says. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. Now, now, David was the runt of the family, so to speak, okay? He was kind of like the little boy of the family. I mean, he had brothers that were, you know, they just looked apart. You know, some people, sometimes you just look at them, they just look the part, uh, but you, maybe they don't have the heart. Come on, somebody. But David had the heart. I want you to see this. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider this, uh, his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look on the things people look at, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, help me out, looks on the heart. That's where God looks on the heart. God looks at your heart. He don't look out, you know, God is not, you know, God doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. Somebody say amen. And if you're available, that he, you know, and, and if you're there for him to put his hand upon, you can be anything that, that he wants you to be. Verse 3, then Jesse called Abinadad. And had him to pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen him either. And Jesse went to Shammah and he passed by. And and the Lord said, not as the Lord has chosen this one either. And Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm thinking, you know, that Jesse thought at least one of these sons is going to be it. And he probably had the biggest and the best in the front and the one that wasn't so at the, at the end of the line, but they all passed by. And Samuel's looking at all of them, and I, I don't feel God in this. Folks, there's something about the touch of God that changes everything in a person's life. And let me tell you, you, you might have ability. You may be, you know, highly educated. You may be, have all of these things in your arsenal. You know, but let me tell you something. If you don't have the touch of God upon your life, you're nothing. Come on, somebody. We need the touch of God. We need that call of God upon our lives. So as they all pass by, by and, 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 you know, are, there, are these all the sons that you have? I mean, it's a little disappointment, you know, to Samuel. Are these all the sons you have? I mean, they're not called. I can tell you that right now. Now, now look at this. Look at this. There is the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. Now he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David and Samuel then went to Ramah. So David was just a kid, nothing special really, but David had a heart for God. Come on, somebody. Matter of fact, the Bible says that David had, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. In other words, he had a heart. Let me tell you something. That's what God's looking for today. Can you say amen? And as we see the two extremes here, we see David, we see Saul. You know, David had a, uh, at least he had a heart. Saul was a murderer, okay? And matter of fact, it was kind of the opposite. Paul was a very educated man, you know, and different from over here, but God called him anyway because he had a work for him to do. 
Now, let, let, you know, what, what, what about that chosen instrument? What, what did David think about himself? 2 Samuel seven eighteen says this, Then King David went and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I? Who am I, sovereign Lord, and who is my family that you have brought me this far? You know, a person that really acknowledges the Lord and has the call of God upon their life and the touch of God upon their life realizes that without the Lord, they're nothing. Come on, somebody. But with God, they're everything. It's the touch of God upon their life. See, he was a superstar for God. And in the same way, Saul was the most uh, uh, important figure in the New Testament, bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And God had his hand upon his life. So Saul believed and became known as the Gentiles as, as, as Paul. Wrote 14 books of the New Testament and we have his witness today. Wow, what a powerful thing. But it was nearly a deal, broker, deal breaker, I should say, for many of the Jewish Christians. Why? Because he changed the world and he flipped it up on his ear. But, you know, as far as the Jews were concerned, they were afraid of him until they really got to know him and then really got out there and began to show himself. But what about Paul? He has a short resume. Let me give it to you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Here's Paul's resume. Although I, must, I myself may have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day uh, of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew, the Hebrews, and as the law of Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Uh, and as to the zeal, a persecutor of the church and the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. In other words, part of the Sanhedrin. In other words, here he had all these credentials. But he said, you know what, that, that didn't profit me anything. Not exactly a great man in his time like Caesar Augustus. But you know what, he was really a nobody that God made a somebody. And he can make you a somebody today. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, write this down. Okay, number one, God's preference or his choice makes all the difference in the world. And here's another thing. Here's something else that you and I, here's where we come into play. Man's prayers make all the difference in the world. And I want you to turn to one scripture, and this is one scripture that just kind of stands out in the, in the New Testament in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And the Bible says there was a certain man in Caesarea Philippi called Cornelius, a centurion of the band of the Italian band. I want you to notice some things about him. He was a devout man. One who feared God with all of his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God when he felt like it. No, no. Prayed to God always. Can you say the word always? Here's a man of prayer. Okay, here's a man of prayer. Now, let me, first of all, let me say this. He prayed to God. He really didn't have a relationship with God. He really wasn't, you know, but he prayed to God. Now, this was a very big deal in the post-resurrection period because Cornelius came to faith in Acts chapter 10 and all the first... Uh, uh, Christians, first century Christians were Jews, okay? Uh, it was all about the Jews, you know, uh, from Peter on down, okay? It was uh, their Messiah. It was their law. It was their temple. It was their religion. And the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about this man, but one thing is for certain. I want you to see this again. And folks, here's the thing. You know, you might be in a situation this morning where that you just feel like things are far out there. You don't know what to do, but you need to be like Cornelius. He changed everything in the New Testament. Look at this in verse 2. I want you to see it again. He was a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house. He gave much alms to the people, and he prayed to God always. You know what that speaks to me and tells me? You know, God had his heart. God had his hand. 
God had him, okay? And, and, and does God hear our prayers? Listen carefully. <laughs> he heard Cornelius before he was converted, okay? He heard Cornelius. You know what? He heard you the time that you prayed. He's heard every one of your prayers. You know, there's a lady one time she's saying, you know, God, I just don't think God hears my prayers. And, and, and the preacher said, well, don't you just curse him? She said, oh, God, hear that. Are you getting this this morning? See, God hears you. You were thinking, well, if it's something bad, God will hear it. But it's something good, he won't. Really? How many of you know God's a little bigger than that? If he can hear you curse, if he can see you steal, if he can see all the bad deeds that you do, how many of you know he can hear you when you cry out to him and pray and you ask him to do something in your life? I remember the times that, you know, in, in the beginning times, uh, early days before I came to Jesus, you know, I, and th- that I prayed. And I believe God heard those prayers. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. I just want to give you a little synopsis this morning of the significance of prayer. If you want to be a somebody, you need to begin to pray. Somebody say amen. And everybody in Scripture that I find that was a praying person, every minister that I know of that's a praying person, the, the, the difference between them and someone else is their prayer life. And let me tell you something. You need to have a prayer life. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's what David said. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalms 37, 17. The, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Hallelujah. Here's what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. See, some of us need to know some things. When you begin to pray, God just takes you aside and the Spirit he begins to show you things. Matthew 7, 7 says, Asking it shall be given, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened to you. Oh, hallelujah. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto you. And again in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. How many of you know that it sounds to me like that when you pray, things happen? See, some people think prayers like this. You know, you just throw prayers, you know, you kind of throw them up there and you hope something sticks. No, that's not the way it is. You remember Daniel when he prayed seeking God for 21 days, fasting, praying, nothing happened. And when something did happen and when the angel of the Lord came on behalf of of Daniel he said, the Lord heard you the first day that you prayed, but we had a battle in the heavens. How many of you know that there's a battle going on right now and you might be praying and the enemy's trying to hinder your prayers? Amen. That's the reason the scripture tells us that, you know, that, you know not, not to give up. You know, uh, you know we, we need to be uh, very sensitive and knowing that when we pray, God does answer prayers. So if you knew what you could do, anything, if money were, you know, was no problem, you know, what dream would you chase? What would you be doing? If you had all the money that you needed, you know, what would you be doing to do? What dream would you chase? Would you be a writer? Would you be a pastor? Would you be a missionary? Would you be a donor to millions, you know, uh, giving millions of dollars to the gospel and the cause of the gospel? Or uh, would you be an evangelist? What would you do? As insignificant as you are for Jesus, if you knew you could not fail, if you were a chosen instrument for God, what would you do this morning? I want you to let your mind just kind of go out there a little bit. What would you do today? 
if none of those things. I'd like to challenge you this morning to consider doing this. If you, you know, would take on this one challenge to start praying for other people. And I want to give you an, il- an example this morning, an illustration this morning, and something that, that happened. I want you to pick someone that you think is insignificant and start praying for them. How many of you have had a praying grandmother or mother? Let me see your hands, okay? You know, there's a lot of things, uh, folks, you know, I believe this with all my heart. You know, I believe this with all my heart. There's a lot of things that's happened in my life that, that, you know, things that that I stepped into. And the reason I stepped into them is because somebody had prayed for me back here and opened the door for me of a blessing. Somebody say amen. And I would like to put a challenge before you. You know, let me tell you something. How many of you believe that prayer changes things? I had a brother-in-law that I believe was one of the meanest guys that I know of. Mean. So mean the mean called him mean. I mean, I'm serious. Motorcycle club. In, in Dayton, some of the guys come up on their motorcycles. They saw he was in there. One guy walked in and said, hey, if we come in this bar, will you leave us alone? Yeah, I'll leave you alone today. Until he got two or three beers in, and then, you know, he mainly, you don't know what he's going to do. We started praying for him. We put him on the prayer list. We had everybody praying for him. Oh, my, nothing, he said, went well for him anymore. He said that the alcohol didn't taste right anymore. He didn't, he didn't do the trick what he used to do. He didn't, get the, he didn't get the buzz or whatever it is. You know? He, he, you know, he said this, nothing went right at work. Nothing went right in his marriage. Nothing went right. We was praying for him. I tell you what, you get the Holy Ghost, the hound of heaven on your heels, watch out somebody. Because God can get you when nobody else can. The Holy Ghost can touch your life. I, I've told this story before. Some of you know he showed up on my doorstep, had a forty-five pistol sticking out. You can see the back of it. Showed up, on, come up to my door, opened the door. He was three sheets in the wind. How many of you know what three sheets in the wind are? Some of you remember those days. Okay, he was drunk as a skunk. Maybe I could put it that way. One eye down, one eye up. And I think, oh my goodness, what a sight to behold. And he had a fifth of whiskey in his hand and had this look on his face and I'm thinking oh my goodness Ralph you doing okay he said I woke up this morning and I put this 45 that 45 sticking up to my head and he said something just told me to pull the trigger and everything would be all right he said but I heard another voice he said come talk to you so here I am Put that gun away and we'll talk. <laughs> he gave his heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. You know, there's nothing too hard for God. And, and you know what? You might think of something's imp- what's impossible for man is possible with God. All things are possible to them that believe. And you know what? If you're praying for something, folks, hold on to your prayers. Believe God that it's going to happen, and it will. Somebody say amen. I believe in prayer. You need to just put the crosshairs on some people and begin to pray for them. Maybe it's that person that you work with and they just, maybe they're frustrating to you. Maybe there's this, you know, they push your button or they just like, I don't know about this. Start praying for them. Put the crosshairs of prayer on them and start praying for them. Let me tell you something. There might be some insignificant people 
And let me tell you something. When you begin to pray for them, there might be a nobody, but you can turn them into a somebody. Somebody say amen. amen. I believe in prayer. How many of you believe in prayer? Yeah, I challenge you this morning to start praying, believing God for the impossible and start praying for those that you, you know, situations and things. And give it to prayer. And you say, you know, and let, me, let, let me say this, okay? Uh, how many of you know a farmer will put a seed in the ground and, and, you know, he goes on about his business and he believes the seed's going to grow? How many of you know he doesn't go in about two or three days and dig it up to see if it's growing? How many of you know that doesn't work that way? Neither will it work for you. You need to sow the seed, pray the prayer, believe God. Everybody say, believe God. Because I believe God can take nobodies. Now, here here was this guy, Cornelius. Cornelius, prayers moved heaven. And folks, I'll tell you what, he wasn't a Jewish person. He was a Gentile. Here's when the Gentiles begin to come in. You and I are Gentiles, okay? We we were grafted in, okay? And, And became part of this thing because of this man right here. He began to pray. So I want you to get you a, 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 a prayer list of folk that you need to just pray for on a daily basis. And if God can change Saul of Tarsus, if God can change all the people in the Bible, if God can change you, how many of you know he could change anybody? And we need to believe God for that. See, some of you might be thinking of someone right now, you know, you might, you might be thinking of a, a person, a family member, a friend or acquaintance or someone that you have some kind of relationship with, you know. And let me tell you something. You need to get, begin to pray for that person. God can turn them around. Amen. Witness to them, but pray for them. I was at work one day and, and I worked in the shop. I told this story too before. I, anyway, we were I, burning the steel, and man, this stuff was hot. And it just this hot lava-like stuff comes out the, the end of it. You know, you just see it. Smoke boils and this dust and all that. I mean, it's hot. And uh, it was in the summertime, too. And you, I got to get back here for a fan because it's just too hot over there. Guy comes up and he looks at that. He said, oh, that's hot, isn't it? Yes. I said, but let me tell you something. There's a place a little bit hotter I'd like to tell you about. <laughs> I think he got it real quick. You know, it's like, oh, you're going to preach to me, aren't you? Seriously. True story. Within a month's time, he came in. He said, that's real hot there today, isn't it? Yeah. He said, there's another place hotter too. I said, yeah. He said, but I'm not going there. (laughs) Gave his heart to Jesus. Give the Lord a hand clap. (laughs) 